Hello, and welcome to Bangers, the video game podcast about games in which you shoot things. Good games, bad games, mad games. This time we are doing a Star War, and there isn't a Jedi in sight. In 1997, when they remastered Star Wars, I almost lost my mind. It was like the greatest thing in the world to me that this series, which I thought was like old, is coming back. Do you have any relationship with Star Wars? I think we have reasonably similar relationships with Star Wars, which is probably largely because we're about the same age. Yeah, that's true. Old. So I was absolutely obsessed with Star Wars when I was about seven through ten years old. Now, were you the kind of obsessed where you were like, oh yeah, Luke Skywalker, he's my jam? Or did you know all the names of the bounty hunters and that sort of stuff? I was really, really into like weird, obscure extended universe stuff. Because uh, one of my cousins had Dark Forces for the PC and that like drove me down a rabbit hole after I'd watched the films. So you were on Wikipedia every single night on the dialogue? Wikipedia, Wikipedia didn't exist, so I would badger my parents to buy me the Star Wars magazine. Excellent. <laughs> and I'd, I'd spend our, our 56k modem internet time going on StarWars.com and looking up Star Wars facts. Did you get the toys and everything? Was that your life? I really liked the Star Wars Lego. I was a massive Lego fan as a child anyway. Um, And Star Wars Lego came out with that remastering in 97. And I was obsessed with Star Wars Lego. Here's a fun, and by fun, I mean I still have nightmares about this to, to this day. I went into Toys R Us, been saving up my pocket money. Which is a bizarre concept anyway. Why would you give a child money? Stupid. Um, (laughs) So I can't remember how old I was. I must have been eight or something like that. So probably maybe a bit younger. And I've been saving up all my pocket money. And my mum, as a sign of trust, she allowed me to go into Toys R Us on my own. Possibly quite stupid, but we didn't know about paedophiles back then. Um... She allowed me to go into Toys R Us on my own and buy the Slave 1, the Lego Slave 1, which was an object of my desire for many a moon. And so I went in there and the box was far too big for me. I'm quite a short person and I was an even shorter child. So I went in there, got the box, took it to the till, paid, brilliant, going to take this home and build this, immediately get stopped by security. And there are no words exchanged with this security man. He just picks the box out of my hand and takes it away from me. And I was immediately heartbroken and not really with any concept of... uh, I was a spoiled brat, so I had no concept of the law or discipline. And I immediately started running after this security man. I didn't know what he was up to. And the security man thought I'd stolen it. Oh, no. Didn't you have a receipt? I did have a receipt, but the security man did not want to listen to a small boy. And I was crying. There was snot rolling down my face and everything. (laughs) This all took place within about 15 seconds, and my mum quickly sorted it out. But I am so so much of a sheltered baby boy that this has uh, been a major trauma in my life. And now, as an adult, into the 30s, I surround myself with plastic shit and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> no security man will take that away from me. Star Wars Republic Commando was developed by LucasArts and published by LucasArts in 2005. LucasArts were a fantastic developer, fantastic publisher as well, but they didn't really make games of this tone. This is a dark game. No, the, the darkest that they'd got before this 
at least in the Star Wars titles, was I think Jedi Outcast. Yeah, and even then, it's still which is very pulpy. Yeah, it's kind of cookie cutter, and it's a revenge tale, blah blah blah. This is a dark game. You see, um, you go down corridors and see bodies of clone troopers strewn around. You see the mayor death clone troopers. Well, the very first thing that happens before you get control of your character in the first actual mission Mm. is that you're flying along and a clone is talking to you and then suddenly a bug man flies up, rips the clone out of the sky and laughs at you. Yeah, that sets it up pretty well. I bet he was a fucking beam soldier as well. (laughs) Jesus, we'll get onto those. So how did you play this? I played this on PC through Steam because I had long ago bought a Star Wars pack for the um, for Steam, uh, probably on probably through Humble or something like that. And this came as part of it. And I had minimal issues getting it running. But I should also say I played on an Xbox One X. Very briefly, I played the first mission again on Xbox One X Enhanced. It was a fantastic experience. And if you happen to be lucky enough to have an Xbox One X and a tenner to spend on a copy of this game online on the original Xbox, then I would certainly go for it because I really enjoyed that experience. So I played this on PC. Um, It happened to go on sale just as we decided to play this game. So I got it for about £1.50. Um, well worth that. Definitely pick it up if you're if you're planning to spend small amounts of money on a sale. In this game, you play as a clone. And the clone army are introduced in they're introduced in episode two, aren't they? Attack of the Clones. They are created from the DNA of Jango Fett, who's the father of of the franchise's uh, sort of favourite son, uh, Boba Fett. Everyone loves Boba Fett. So Jango Fett had his DNA taken, and they have made an army out of him. You're not one of those guys in white, those proto-stormtroopers, like everybody else. No, no, no. You are special. So you, you're you told this more or less immediately by the slightly poorly rendered alien woman who comes and waves her face in your face while you're in a pod. Yeah, you're a baby. You start this game as a baby. And then there's a section, it sort of fades to black and there's a loading screen and there's a bit where you're sitting in some chairs and you can look around, but you can't actually do anything. So I'm not sure what this achieves. Yeah, it kind of montages your entire life up to the point of where you start playing. And the um, the aliens are just telling you, oh yeah, you're special, you're special, you're being built for something more. You're not just the regular guy with a New Zealand accent. You are more than this, which is nice. Yeah, yeah it's nice to know that you're the special video game central character. There's a, fan, a fantastic little scene setter when the landing ships, the drop ships are all landing in front of you and it's raining and everyone's boarding them and it really feels like, okay, well, this is it. This is what I've been gearing up for. We're about to go to war. I did wonder why they chose to do the, the actual gameplay tutorial in the next level rather than this bit because I think this would have been a better place to have the conceit of teaching you how to do your controls. So you're Delta 3-8. He's the leader of Delta Squad. So he is the he's the top brass, and that's who you play as. You're the super republic commander. You're the best clone trooper there is. As a side note, this game doesn't start with a Star Wars crawl. No, it starts with a sort of blue the blue pre-crawl. Yeah. It never actually has the Star Wars crawl. This game throughout is throughout the uh the game you'll get the the text which usually says, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far far away. You will have that which will set up a mission, but you don't get a crawl and I can't remember any other Star Wars TV show game property not having a crawl. I mean, I've got Star Wars toys 
over there in their packet that have a crawl on the back, which describes the character. So that immediately was like, okay, we're, this is a different animal. This isn't the same Star Wars that, uh, that your daddy knows. Mission one. So you've, you've met up with your team and you land on Genosha. Uh, it's the sort of reddish planet from the end of episode two with the Bugmen. Yeah. Um, so you're basically dropped straight into the battle at the end of episode two. That battle is sort of what I always wanted as a kid, is to see all the Jedi kicking ass and doing cool stuff. Didn't really live up to it as a child. Um, and now you're seeing it from the other side. You're seeing it from the special commanders who are going to infiltrate the fight. We might as well get this out of the way. We're not going to go through every single mission beat by beat because the missions are split up into very small chapters. There's only three missions and they're split up into very small chapters. And I don't know... It's got to be an Xbox loading constraint. Yeah, I don't know about you, James but I lost the thread of most of my mission objectives very quickly. Well, it's not just that the chapters are really small. It's that the the objectives are really generic. They're all standard sort of sci-fi military objectives like go and stop the transmitter, kill this dude, blow up the spaceship... In all fairness, the missions make you feel like a cog in a much bigger machine, which is fantastic for a commando unit. You do feel like yeah. you feel like the clone trooper SWAT team. You are there to do a job. You're behind enemy lines, and you you don't need to know the bigger plot. You don't need to know the ideology. You're never challenged or anything like that. It is you go through this game with the same bosses. You go through as in. Your, your leadership, your hierarchy, that is never questioned. You know who the enemy are and you're there to do a job, which in many ways was kind of refreshing. I could just sit back and enjoy the gameplay. Yeah, it's it's not that it doesn't have a story. It's that the story is sort of secondary to the gameplay of being a clone soldier. Yeah, the story is just... These are missions that a commander squad would have undertaken during the Clone Wars. Yeah. If you want something more from that, if you want a tale of Jedi, if you want a tale of betrayal, if you want anything grander, this is not the game for you. In the first mission, the first a big part of the first the first part of the game is meeting up with your team. Your team all have different job roles. It's it's this typical kind of stuff. Like you have one of them's a sniper, one of them's the tech guy, like just the hacking and stuff, and one of them's the demo guy. Except they're not, and they don't. Yeah, except... <laughs> it, they set them up as that, but thankfully the game gives them all the same ability. Like, you yeah. are just as capable as all of them, and they are just as capable as each other. I've had, I've had mixed opinions about how well the AI in this game handles. For me, it was always really snappy you the, the central conceit is you will come into a situation there will be positions you can point the ai your ai teammates to it and they will take up positions you sniper fire whether it's to try and hack something whether it's to try and demo something covering fire whatever they'll take that position throw, a grenade. throw grenades they'll take that position until you say otherwise i don't know about you james but I thought it just felt incredible. I thought this worked quite well. Um, you're also given three buttons on the PC there, F1 to F3, where you can have them in aggressive mode, which is what you normally want to do in an actual combat encounter. You can have them on follow me mode, which is what you want the rest of the time, so they're not running off ahead and getting killed. Or you can say, go stand here. Yeah, the only difficulty I had is they will stay at a position if you've told them to stay there. They're very loyal soldiers. So if you say if you say Sev, stay at the stay at this position and snipe, you'll go, can do. And then twenty minutes later you've wandered off 
and you look at your guys and you go, hey, where's Seb? It's like, oh, yeah, he's stayed behind <laughs> and you need to go well, back and find him. They'll always rejoin you on the loading screen. Yes, they will. Which are quite often. Yeah, you play this game in very small chunks. Again, as James says, probably due to Xbox um, memory issues. And I found that if you just repeatedly hammered the follow me button, that would eventually override anything else you told them to do. Excellent. So who are our teammates? Do you have a little list for us? Uh, yes, I do. So 6-2, uh, who I've written is a howling maniac. Is this Seb? No, no, that's uh, he's a psychotic murderer. <laughs> okay, so who's 6-2? <laughs> 6-2 is a howling maniac. He's the bomb man. But what's, his, what's his call sign? He's Scorch. Scorch, okay. So Scorch is Demo man. He's a howling maniac. Yeah. Um, he's he's like the... He feels like he, they're all the same age, but he feels like he's the youngest of the team. Yeah, they're all the same age. They're all clones of a New Zealand man. Yet... Two of them... And they've all lived in the same place for their entire life. Yeah. And have known each other since childhood. Yeah. Yet two of them have American accents. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not question it. So there's Foro, who's called Fixer. Seems to be like the nice guy of the bunch. The only one who I really remember talking is Sev. Um, the other two are reasonably interchangeable, despite having completely different voices. Yeah. Sev, they pointedly seem to give more character to, and we'll get back to that later. <laughs> when when Foro comes up, um, when all of them come up, you get a little, like, pop-up on your screen saying, like, a short biography of him. Um, I noted down that he likes to stab things. Mm-hmm. Um, Who doesn't? His, his favourite weapon is a Catan series vibrato blade. What a weeb! <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking like that. That implies that the the main character of Dark Forces and Jedi Knight is in fact an arms baron, an Iron Man style arms baron, because he's got his name on a series of vibro blades. Maybe he's just named after a sword. Maybe his dad was a weeb. <laughs> uh, I mean, his dad was like a weird Jedi hermit. I mean, you're in a better position in life to me, but would you name your first child like X Katana? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I named my son Jonathan Bastard Sword. <laughs> that's, pr that's pretty much what we've got going with Kyle Katan. Gary Polak. Yeah. Although Kyle Katan isn't in this game, but we've just got a guy who really likes Katanas. Yeah. Um, and Sev. Sev is the third guy you get, and he has a thirst for the hunt. Yeah, Sev is a maniac. He will tell you about slowly murdering things, about tracking stuff. He is insane. And the possibly the most characterised of the clones. Whenever you, at least in the first level, whenever you get him to use the health point, he has this spiel about, I think 6-2 asks him, oh, I thought you didn't, I thought you were invincible, Sev. And he says, oh, never say no to Bacta. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a list, list of rules that he's memorised as being his rules for life. And hey... And they're, do you know what is cool? All of them do have a little bit of character. Yeah. They've got surprising amounts of personality for people who you never see the face of and are primarily differentiated by what colour armour they're wearing. As you might know, I look at every video game and try and guess who's the prick. In this one, the prick was me. The prick was 3-8. Uh, but he's not really even the prick, he's just, like, their boss. I guess so, he was the most racist, though. We'll get on to that <laughs> later. Anyway, should we... I don't know, Sev really doesn't like um, Geonosians. 
I don't like Genosians. <laughs> I don't like Genosians. In Mission 1, right, again, there's no real point in doing this beat by beat. So at Mission 1, you meet the crew, you're supposed to assassinate a dickhead, you do assassinate the dickhead. So I'm on the wiki right now. The, the dickhead is called Sunfak, and he is the chief lieutenant to Geonosian Archduke Poggle the Lesser. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so you're you're <laughs> you kill you kill Poggle's mate. Poggle's mate gets done in pretty quick, um, and then this is what starts the the pondering. Like, oh, you've got to go and take the shield down and you've got to go and do this and got to go and do that and the Genosians have this kind of enemy which is a beam soldier it's where you get the beam rifle from they are the I hate them I hate them they are the worst enemy in the game they're, they're just they're the least fun to fight in every circumstance well in Genosia as, as James said this is this level is set during the end of Attack of the Clones. So there's a war going on on the surface. You're underground. The entire screen is shaking mercilessly. You can't see... Because your own side are doing orbital bombardment. Yeah, you can't see anything. And every time you try and use a sniper rifle to get these guys, it it's just a futile effort. These are flying creatures... They zoom around everywhere. They can kill you in about five seconds flat. I hate them. I found that the most effective way to get them was to get them to target you and then hide behind a pillar and jump out every so often so they'd stay targeting you and let your dudes deal with them. This is about the only enemy that requires like pretty specific movement from the player that the AI just wouldn't think to do. And the screen shake is terrible. It really it yeah. it mars well, the most that effective way to the most effective way to kill these guys is to snipe them in like their glowy blue their glowy um, orange spot. Mm. So, the combination of that and screen shake actually had me quite strongly dislike the first third of this game. <laughs> Um, shall we talk about some of the other enemies this level has? Yeah, you murder Genosian children in this. Yep. You actively... From the egg. Yeah. So Genosians are bug-like creatures. And the, the troopers, the commanders, know that you are murdering their children. There is no remorse about this. This is, oh well, disgusting creatures. Like, the... A trend going forward is that the clone troopers are very, very racist. They have no remorse for anything. They are just murderers and they kill Genosian children. So that's fun. There's also the droids. There's the standard battle droids. Yeah. Who you'll remember from the films, the goofy ones who are bad at everything. They make funny noises. I basically stopped wasting ammo on these as soon as I realised that you could kill them really easily with a headshot with the pistol or just like punching them yeah they they are downed in one hit by a melee attack but they are accompanied by super battle droids who other video games and movie and movies have led you to believe are a bit of a pushover as well not in this game no in this game you either have to snipe their front parts off their face mask and their chest piece and then you can shoot their big red glowy weak spot or you just have to like pump them full of ammunition and eventually they'll die they're the reason why i had the most deaths was the super battle droids because if you just get a few of them and you run out of ammo which you do quite frequently then that's it you're done you can sort of slowly kite them around and plink away, but that would be about 10 minutes. Or if you have EMPs, you can cheese them by EMP and then just uh, melee, 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 melee. Uh, there's also the standard Geonosian warriors who are a melee attacker that sort of flies at you. They're not nearly as bad as the laser guys. No, they're kind of like the battle droids. They just they fly at you and as long as you hit them once, they will go down. 
And there's your first mini-boss enemy, which is the spider droid, which is like a walking tank. Not much of a challenge, but a, a really cool way to showcase how you can get all your guys into different areas. Maybe one guy on a turret, one guy performing support with grenades. A really cool setup, I thought. So the first mission, it's brown, it's screen shaky. It's eventually you get into sci-fi corridors. Yeah, it has sci-fi corridors. I, I mean that's about it really. Um, there's not really much else going on for it. So I nearly rage quit this game at the very end of this level. Okay. Um, because when you get into the sci-fi corridors, you get it. You're on the drone command ship. One of those big balls from the film. Yeah. And um. At some point, you set off like a five-minute detonation. Yeah. And you've got to get the files that you came for. And you get a five-minute window to do this. And the screen is shaking the whole time. It's throwing loads of battle droids, loads of Genotians at you. And you've got very little margin for error. And I just... I got more and more frustrated of, with this section and eventually I I just like stopped playing the game for like a night because and I I was so angry with the game after this. I didn't have such issues as we will often say James is much better at video games than I am. But this was one of the few times where I played this game in one sitting. And I didn't really have a trouble with any parts of the game, I don't think. I ploughed through, the mission was finished, I thought, this is incredibly playable. <laughs> so I um, I really didn't like that section, and there is one more section that I also got a bit, a bit salty at. But other than that, it was a pretty good first mission, but it has a massive difficulty spike right at the end. Let's go to Rooty Tooty Point and Shooty. Do you want me to say it again in a funny voice? Rooty Tooty Point and Shooty. James, what are the guns like in Republic Commando? I'll tell you what they're like immediately. Not very good. So there's only like six guns. And three of them are the same gun with different attachments. <laughs> there are six guns. Three of them are the same gun. I'm not being... It's it's actually it's like seven, but it's not many guns at all. So um, this game deploys a this game does a halo. Um, oh, actually, it does one better than a halo. You can you always have a pistol. I quite like the pistol. Um, and you are that's insane a thing because you will be using it a lot. We will talk about the pistol in a moment. You have an assault rifle. Which is I your didn't main like game. the assault rifle. The assault rifle is your main weapon in the game. It is the weapon that you're expected to use the most of. Uh, it's terrible. It's terrible because you barely get any ammo for it. And it burns through ammo really fast, doesn't do much damage, and it um it's not it's quite accurate, but it's not where the reticule is pointing. No. The assault rifle feels like a pea shooter. And it is the uh, it is the weapon you'll be using the most. It doesn't feel enjoyable to use, in my opinion. Then what the kicker is, especially in the first mission, you'll use the assault rifle. You'll go, oh, I've run out of ammo for this. Now I've got to switch back to the pistol, which does zero damage, but at least it's rechargeable. <laughs> I actually found the pistol was reasonably effective at doing damage. Um, I used it a lot in the second mission against the Lizardmen. Because if you can get heads, if you can get headshots, it you can um, take them out in half a clip, and it recharges pretty quickly. I often found that when my assault rifle went down, it was melee time because your wrist blade will one shot most enemies. So what's the point in using the pistol when you can just one shot most enemies? Um, I I found that I was shooting them with the pistol, and then any that survived, I'd use the wrist. Well, when you have the pistol it's not a wrist blade you're just pistol whipping them well we'll agree to disagree about the pistol 
What about so you've got this assault rifle and it's a neat idea that the assault rifle gets attachments. What are the attachments? So you've got the sniper rifle, um, which basically he gets a long barrel and sticks it on the front and a scope. Thought this was possibly the best handling gun, but you don't get enough ammo for it to be something you can actually rely on. Yeah, and you basically use it as a shotgun for most of the time as well. Yeah. Yeah, the scope is pretty finickly. Did you have a scope? Yeah, there's a scope. It's uh, What's it mapped to? Middle mouse button. Oh, no. But middle mouse button, if you use mouse wheel, is also switch weapon. So you'll often find yourself aiming. Oh, shit. Now I'm using a shotgun. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I've never claimed to be a smart man. And <laughs> I used this sniper rifle without the scope through the entire game. So it was, <laughs> it was a shotgun for me. Yeah, um, the the sniper rifle is the best way to take out the super battle droids. What else have we got on there? We've got the uh, we've got the grenade launchery thing, which is just he attaches a grenade launcher to the front of his gun that prevents him from firing his regular gun, which I feel is a bit of a design flaw. And the grenade launcher bit is good because once you shoot that, everything just starts dying. So if you can, when you get that attachment. You, you've just you win most encounters, basically. Well, there's a bit near the end of the game where they give you a full refill of that gun basically every run. Yeah, it's just so keep yeah. pressing forward and shooting that. <laughs> and there's also the the other weapons that you can pick up. Yeah, so you, your assault rifle and all of its attachments you always have, and you always have the pistol... And then you can have one more gun, which is like the level-specific gun. Some of these are quite good, and some of them are really, really bad. Let's go through them as you get them. So you've got the Geonosian beam rifle. This is brilliant, because the beam bugs are the worst thing in video games, and I hate them so much. So grabbing their gun and using it against them is amazing. I actually really didn't like this gun. I thought it... It used ammo too fast for the amount of ammo you get with it, and it took too long to power up. But I like this. The reason why I like this gun is because as you're firing it, or as you have it out, it's got these little needles that are kind of tinkering away on the side of it. And as you fire, they tinker more and more and more and seem desperate. And the reason why they don't have much ammo, and the reason why you can't get ammo refills, you've just got to pick up the entire thing again is because the gun is siphoning off blood or fluid from the from the Genosian it, uh, it is being used by. Yeah, the one it's attached to. Yeah, which I think is a really nice little design choice and it, it made me like the gun, even though it is, as James says, it's kind of useless after a little while because you, you charge with the beam, fire the beam, and in two seconds it'll be empty. I don't dispute that it looks pretty. Um, I just never found a use for it. Fair enough. So the next gun you'll get in level two is the shotgun. Mm. It's the slug rifle or something. So this is a cool weapon. I really like the shotgun. It's maybe the it's only a... weapon I actually like, really, really like. It was. A, it's a reasonably good shotgun. It's reasonably powerful against most non-bullet spongy enemies. Yeah, in a game where none of the guns really feel fantastic, and maybe that's not the point, it is one of its own. When you get it, you have these weird little almost painkillery moments where you're in a room and all the enemies are coming at you from different sides and you're just sort of like strafing around shooting at them and it is it's really fun they feel like there are a couple of instances where it, it you're given it and the game wants you to shoot at an enemy who's quite far away um which it's not good at so maybe that's to make you swap to your pistol yeah which i was never doing i was i was shotgun sniping <laughs> So the next gun is the submachine gun. Yeah, let's let's skip it. Don't use it. If you're going to play this game, don't use the SMG. I found myself using it out of desperation in a couple of instances, but never by choice. 
if you feel like you need to use the SMG, just uh, put it down and just run up stuff and punch it. <laughs> the Trandoshans have got like a, a heavy machine gun as well. They've got kind of like a Gatling gun type thing. Yeah, which which is mainly dropped by kind of mini boss enemies. I used that. I thought that was okay. I used it whenever I had it. Yeah. You, once you've used it, you've used it. There's not normally much more of it. Yeah, I mean, again, none of the weapons feel great. One day we will we will do a game, talk about a game where the weapons feel really good. That's not today. <laughs> and it hasn't been so far. We just... Yeah. Everything in this game sounds... Well, we'll talk about the sound. But the game... The, the gunplay feels weak, but that's not this... necessarily the point of the game or the point of combat. Well, there's a few games on our list that I know have good feeling weapons. Yes. So we'll get to that eventually. Uh, so there's the Wookiee Rocket Launcher, which is fine, except it's got really long animations for everything it does. Yeah. Uh, it's like a worse version of your grenade launcher. Yeah. It's, a, it's slow and pondering. And then there's the Wookiee Bowcaster. Which, which oh, useless. I hated this. It's like a worse sniper rifle that can ping off. It can like ricochet off things, but never in a way that's useful. The Wookiee Bowcaster felt like going into combat with a slingshot and some conkers. Because even if you hit the dickhead... The thing, the bow caster bolt would just bounce off him anyway. He'd just look at you like, why did you do that to me? <laughs> you can power it up, which does a bit more damage, but it's still, it's never worthwhile compared to just like either punching them in the face or whacking them with your pistol. Nah, yeah, that's it. All oh, just bollocks. There's also some grenades, which I got quite a lot of use out of. Oh, yeah. To be fair, the limited amount that you can use your weapons, the grenades come very, very useful. You get quite a lot of them as well. You get normally at least one refill of one kind of grenade every run. Because this is supposed to be a commander swap type team, going into a scenario and throwing down grenades, getting suppressing fire down, it all really tied it together. So the grenades unlike most first-person shooters where it is just an insta-win or an insta-death, they felt tactically relevant. So you've got the explosive one, which is just damage. Frag grenade. Um, it rarely does enough to actually win an encounter, but it can take out some weaker enemies or damage a stronger one. You have the EMP grenade, which is the best grenade, in my opinion. It's the best grenade because... Whatever enemy you've got, it will disable them for a while and it does huge amounts of damage to droids. Also, if you throw it down and one of your guys gets trapped in it, you get to see them go... Well, all the enemies and your buddies, if you get them trapped in it, go... Which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, There's also the flashbang, which I never had a useful. Oh, I like the flashbang. Uh, I just never got the hang of them. I liked pretending to breach a room. <laughs> um, there's also the the one that you throw that instantly explodes. Yeah, that's a good one. Whereas the regular frag grenade is timed. Yeah, it's like a concussion blast. It does a little bit less damage, but it's more reliable. Yeah, concussive. Yeah. And that's that's all of the weapons for Rooty Tooty Point and Shooty. We've rooted, we've tooted, we've pointed, we've shooted. Rooty Tooty Point and Shooty. Mission 2. So, in between Mission 1, Mission 2, you get the uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away text, but this time it tells you that, oh, you've got a bit of a reputation now. Delta Squad has uh, got a reputation. Like a year later. Yeah, Delta Squad's got a reputation, and off you go. There's a Republic... There's a Republic cruiser, a Republic battle station. They're basically the Star Destroyers. They're the Republic version of a Star Destroyer. And it's not responding to hails. And you have to go and investigate. 
It starts off with a pretty cool section where you you basically do like a space power drop and you climb in through the torpedo chute. Yeah, it really does hammer home once again that you are an elite unit. You're basically Star Wars clone trooper SWAT team. It's really cool. The first enemy you encountered in this is really annoying. Oh, well, just before we get there, this, um, this mission splits you up from the squad. So you, first mission, you're all together. This mission, you're all doing your own separate thing. And again, you play as uh, 3-8 and you're uh, wandering around trying to do whatever command has told you to do, which isn't amazingly like well set out. You're basically just following a waypoint. I think you have to um you have to like poke a computer for them to get some log files or something ah i see <laughs> it does the the aliens versus predator thing where you won't encounter many enemies for a very very long time in this level yeah i found it weirdly like atmospheric i i thought it did a really good job and it's the first time you'll actually have to use your low light vision for more than about a minute should we talk about the heads up display a bit yeah, so this game has a really cool hood. It was obviously influenced by Metroid Prime on the GameCube. It has what I think should be in every sci-fi FPS from this moment forward, which is when you shoot something close up, or when you stab something, it splats all over your screen, and a little like windscreen wiper goes across and cleans it for you and i think that is my best bit of the game <laughs> it is a really nice touch and i also like how your your health and your allies health is it's like in universe it's not just the game thing it's the character seeing this too it is incredible in a way when you think this game came out in a 4-3 aspect ratio so they didn't really have that much screen space to play with and they fit in so much. You can see what every single one of your teammates is doing. You can see their health. You can see their actions. You know who's talking, who's doing what, what your status is. You've got the windscreen wiper. It's really impressive that they managed to fit that much on there. I don't think it's as much as what the um, what Retro did with Metroid Prime, but it's still impressive. Yeah, it's it's a really immersive heads-up display. And this is the mission where it really shines, I think, because mm. this is where you have to use your um, low-light vision, and it's the one where there's these drones who I have just called annoying, but they do have a pretty cool feature where they, when they're near you, it makes your visual receptors go all fuzzy. Yeah, this mission is it's going through, it's going through a Star Destroyer, basically. I don't know what the Republic name is. It's going through I'll a look it up on the wiki. Okay. It's going through a Star Destroyer that has been emptied. You're seeing bodies of clone troopers everywhere. It's an acclimator class Republic assault ship. Okay, I'm gonna call it a Star Destroyer. Fair enough. You see And it's its specific ship name is the Prosecutor. Okay, so we'll call it so you're going through the Prosecutor, which is a Star Destroyer. And there's just a lot of atmosphere. You, it, it, it made me feel. It made me think a lot of like Battlestar Galactica, and that kind of thing, where you have these incredible Titan-like ships, and it's just you in these lonely corridors, and you've got dead bodies around. So the new enemies in this area are the scavenger droids, which are really annoying, but also have that cool touch with the UI messing. They also jump on your face and go, and you have to jab, jab, jab them to get them away. And we also have the introduction of the Trandoshan Slavers. If you're a Star Wars fan, a Trandoshan is the race that Bosk the Bounty Hunter is. They're a mainstay of other Star Wars games because they're quite a good sort of standard alien enemy that isn't just more stormtroopers. Yeah, they're, they're a slaver race. They take slaves yeah. and... If you were playing this game in 16.9, then they look really fat, which is weird. Yeah, they look extremely pudgy, which sort of makes me laugh a little bit. Yeah, but... they look like green umpa-lumpers. <laughs> it's not helped by the fact that they're wearing like incredibly 
floofy orange sort of spacesuit. Yeah. And I have a note here on the Trandoshans, which is 38 is a mega racist towards Trandoshans. Maybe just a racist in general. Is this because he's a clone and doesn't have an identity of his own? <laughs> so the the Trandoshan, the first Trandoshan you'll meet, he just sort of runs at you with knives. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is a bit of a shock the first time, but they're pretty easy to deal with because you can sidestep them and one-shot them with your wrist blade. Yeah, the rest of this mission is basically you getting together with the rest of your crew, and when you get back together, you are you have some really fun interactions with the Trandoshans who will just kind of run at you and they'll abandon their shotguns and everything. And getting up some strategic positions against them can be really, really fun. Yeah. They they get a bit more variety. Like like you said, they get shotguns, so they can actually pack quite a punch. They can one-shot you if you're not careful and you're really close to them. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed this mission overall. I was having a really good time. This is peak Republic Commando to me. Whenever I've been thinking about this for the last few days, this is the mission that I keep coming back to, is being on the Star Destroyer, fighting the Trandoshans. It's a few battle droids thrown in there. It's a really good time. And I think this is the mission where the tactical stuff comes into its own. It, you you really do feel like a close-knit unit. You really feel like you have complete control over your allies. It's uh, It's a really good time. It ends up with a pretty cool section where you have to f defend the hangars because the Trandoshans and the droids have teamed up. Yeah, this is the part of the game which will continue till the end where the game becomes about defending hangars, which is good because... <laughs> or it's they fun. even call the attention to it with some of the squad dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> hangars again! Wookiees love their hangars! <laughs> <laughs> This game is obviously a Star Wars game, yeah? Mm -hmm. Now, Star Wars is iconic for that John Williams soundtrack, you know. The theme, everything that he does, is it just sounds incredible. This game takes those elements and then it adds more to it. It has its own unique soundtrack. It has this Mandalorian battle song that permeates its soundtrack it sounds um it sounds more skyrim than anything it has these big orchestral choral overtures with in supposedly the mandalorian language which is the mandalore is the a mandalorian is what Django fett is his that's his race and boba fett as well um there's a big controversy about them in the uh, expanded universe that we probably shouldn't go into, but no. I'll note that it exists. <laughs> yeah, let's not touch that. <laughs> that's a that's a bomb waiting to go off. Yeah, it is incredible to hear a Star Wars game that has its own unique sound profile because this what ties this game together is that. The lasers and everything in battle, it sounds like a Star Wars game. The lasers sound like Star Wars lasers. The guns, the explosions, it all sounds like Star Wars. And you can hear a John Williams soundtrack go off. You can hear some sound cues. But then, out of nowhere, you'll get this big battle music. And it, yeah. it sounds cool, but the two do not go together, in my opinion, very well. The, the track that I sort of remember the most is actually the upbeat version of the Imperial March that plays. There's a section, I think it's the bit where you're landing on the next level, and it plays an upbeat version of the Imperial March. Like, yeah, this is what Stormtroopers sort of came from. Yeah, Imperial March and a major <laughs> key. In many ways, I wish there'd been no John Williams. Maybe John Williams was just yeah. used sparingly. But you can have this big orchestral choral music, which sounds like Viking war tunes. And then you turn the you turn the corner and you've got John Williams with the, some violins and everything like that. It's like, oh, okay. 
It doesn't feel... It was a little bit of a mismatch. Yeah, it doesn't feel cohesive. But still, the game does try hard to have its own identity. And the fact that LucasArts were willing to do so, willing to, to allow that to happen. I mean, for fuck's sake, Ash do the end credits song. And <laughs> that the fact that that exists in a Star Wars game is kind of amazing. Mission three. The final mission. My only note for this entire level is the word Wookiees written big with an exclamation mark. <laughs> you, uh, you have to save the Wookiees. So we're now well out of episode two. This game came out a few months prior to episode three. And this mission was a big selling point for the game. It was like take a sneak, take a sneak peek at episode three was part of its campaign. And for me, this is the least fleshed out mission. This is the mission where I had the most um the most snafus with the software just not working properly. I never had a crash, so there's that. But I did have some jank, and I personally didn't really care for the Kashyyyk mission. Kashyyyk, I think, is actually two levels, and I think the first one is actually the remains of another level, given a Kashyyyk skybox. Okay, why do you think that? Well, it just doesn't feel like the rest of Kashyyyk, and it's very, very Trandoshan. It's very Trandoshan-themed. So you're going through like these Trandoshan camps, which feel like camps from 40k orcs. They feel like an orc base from Warhammer Dawn of War. Yeah. Um, and there are just some Wookiees, and there's like a, a forest skybox. Yeah, I. but don't you think that just kind of goes back to this feeling a little bit maybe tacked on? Like, it didn't mm. feel complete. Um. I mainly didn't like this level, this bit of this level, because it was just combat encounter, bland combat encounter, and then sort of a boss at the end. You meet or see General Grievous in this level, who is the um, he's the multi-armed Jedi killer from Episode 3, who I think is a cool concept, very poorly delivered. Hmm. I understand he's a lot better in the expanded universe, but... He's apparently better in the Clone Wars cartoon, but I've only watched a little bit of the Clone Wars cartoon. Um, but the extent of your interaction with him is he lands a spaceship, he walks around, He's, I think he might say something nefarious, and then he leaves. He bosses the Magna Guard around, and the Magna Guard are the thing that you will be fighting. They are very irritating but sort of trivial yeah my first encounter with the magna guard the magna guard are his guard from episode three they have like batons like gladiator as uh, not russell crowe gladiator as in can you feel the power of the gladiators <laughs> uh the wolf. Have, <laughs> yeah they have wolf-esque <laughs> battle what are those things even called the Klingons have them. A batleth. A batleth, yeah. They've got an electric <laughs> batleth. They've got a stun gun batleth. Mm. So they're fannying around with them. And they do flips. And the first one that I fought did a flip in the air. And he got stuck mid-flip. <laughs> and he was just there in the sky. And everyone just shot him. So the first one I fought, he um, it's set up as like a boss encounter, but it's yeah. really not very hard at all. No. Um, what happened was, he jumped in the air and he one-shot um, Fixer. The no! Green um, and I was like, oh, it's like this, is it? Um, and then he did the jump in the air and just continuously missed for five minutes while we plinked him down. Yeah, the Magna Droids keep coming up in this level. They... As if they're a threat? Yeah, they're not. They're just... So, Mr. Magnagard, I'm going to run over here. How are you going to react? Jump in the opposite direction? 
maybe run against a wall for a little bit. <laughs> see, see where that gets me. Yeah, all the sections that don't have Magna Guards are pretty decent standard setting. Like, they're the same fights you've been doing the entire game, but in a camp of orcs from 40k where all the orcs have gone. Once you leave the orc camp, you go into the Wookiee city, which is, it's kind of like a sci-fi elf city. Yeah, it's like the wood elves have done a city, and here Um, we are. So it's mainly quite cool, except... In this game, the Wookiees are like 10 feet tall. They tower over you. But all the fixtures are like clone height. So it doesn't feel like a place that Wookiees live. It feels like a place that Wookiees happen to be. I'll uh, I'll speak to this in a language the people can understand. So the Wookiees are the Hulk Hergans. And you are the Ray Mysterios. <laughs> and everything is built for Ray Mysterio. Nothing is built for Hulk Hogan. But this is Hulk Hogan's house. Why would Hulk Hogan have a breakfast bar that is too small for him? What's going on, Hulk Hogan? I did like the bit right at the end of this level. Um, but the, just before that, there's this bit with a bridge. And there's no cover. And there's a bunch of droid dispensers at the Uh, other end of the bridge. And you have to take out the droid dispensers to advance. Um, It's just another frustrating combat encounter that... In a game that mainly gets its encounters pretty right, it's a a notable misstep. Um, After that, there's a bit where you're climbing up to a tree to take out a spaceship that's besieging the Wookiee city. Yeah, this is um, where you need to split up. Um, I actually quite liked it. It felt a bit like a sort of victory lap final exam. It gives you lots of ammo. Yeah, it made you showcase all of your skills. It made you. It gave you the option to use all of the weapons again. One final time, you were losing a squad mate at every other room. It made you feel like, okay, something is going to go terribly wrong here. I hope it doesn't. And really hammered home the fact that you cared about these squad members who don't say a lot, don't necessarily have an amazing personality, but they do have individual personalities they care about. You've got to know them by this point. It's a few... You've been with them for several hours. They gibber at each other and it's humorous. So yeah, Sev sadly gets left behind uh, and Yoda tells you, you get on a, one of the gunships and Yoda appears, Jedi Master Yoda, in his funnily, in his Empire Strikes Back form rather than his prequel <laughs> trilogy form, whatever he appears and says, oh the entire galaxy owes you a great debt of gratitude and then the game ends <laughs> yeah, they just hard ends now, out of nowhere. Did James, did you play Halo 2, which released a little bit before this? I have played Halo 2, but I played it somewhat after Halo 2 was big. Okay, so I bought Halo 2 on launch. Well, my mum did. I didn't have any money. The game ends with Master Chief saying, Sir, I'm finishing this fight. And I thought, damn right we are. Hell yeah, we're going to go to Earth. And then Breaking Benjamin music kicks in and the credits roll. This game did the exact same thing, but with Ash. It's like, (laughs) oh yeah, I bet you can't wait for the sequel. (laughs) Multiplayer. So I didn't play the multiplayer because I never owned this game back in the day. And also, who's playing this game in 2019? You can't actually access its servers. They've been shut Mm. down for a long period of time. And it's not like um, other games from this era that had a big multiplayer following that have been revived by a fan patch. This game's multiplayer kind of missed the point because the moment-to-moment gunplay wasn't that fun. It was really all about the squad combat and the squad combat wasn't in the multiplayer. So it was just another bog-standard deathmatch multiplayer. There. Presumably they would have someone would have revived it if it had had any significant following. 
So, did you like this game? I like this game a whole bunch. I had a really good time with it, and I am upset that I didn't play it when it came out. I played about 15 minutes of it when it came out, but my mum wouldn't buy me any more video games at the time. Boo-hoo. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this quite a lot. It was it was a really easy playthrough. I am sad that we haven't seen this franchise continue. Yeah, it's it's a good sort of start, but I felt it never quite came into its own. Did you like it overall? Yeah, I liked it overall, but I thought there was quite a bit of wasted potential i guess it's the word well on wasted potential james the big question is the question that we all know the answer to did republic commander sell well no republic commander sold abysmally (laughs) so i think this is one where you're a little bit better qualified to comment because you have more of an idea of what is good sales in so, the industry. So Republic Commander in its it, it sold about 60k units in the UK around the time. And for a Star Wars game, that's poor. I mean, episode three was around the corner and it sold it didn't it, I mean it just didn't make a dent. It honestly didn't make a dent. And you can't say it didn't have a fair shout in terms of its marketing. As a kid, I didn't actually want to buy this game. I I think my mum asked me, oh, there's a Star Wars game out, would you like it? And I think I said, no, I don't want to play a prequel game. I, didn't, <laughs> I, I just didn't want it, and that was my attitude. And I know that's a shitty child attitude to have, and, but I, I honestly didn't want it. And... That's kind of weird because I played it now and I really enjoy it, but it it I mean sales the sales don't lie. People either didn't want this game or they were already playing something else. Okay, so just to give you an idea of what else came out in this year, so Shadow of the Colossus came out in this year, Resident Evil Four came out this year, Civ Four came out this year, Call of Duty Two came out this year, Devil May Cry Three. Guitar Hero, God of War, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, Kingdom Hearts 2. It was a a jam-packed year. Absolutely jam-packed. Jade Empire by Bioware. Psychonauts, which I'm obviously not something to put the sales next to. Star Wars Battlefront 2. It there was just so much coming out this year. It was a new, it was a getting to the point of of a new console generation like it was a uh, there was so much competition and Republic Commander just couldn't stand up but did it review well it reviewed okay it was it's a pretty solid 7 to 8 on most places it reviewed quite poorly on PC yeah it did it it was the victim of a wave of poor poorish PC ports yeah, I think it was sort of the start of the period where the game industry had decided that the PC was a a bad market that they weren't going to be part of. Yeah, this was, if you're young, you might not remember this, but there was a time in the early to mid-2000s where everybody thought that consoles were going to reign supreme and PC was just dead and we weren't going to invest any money in PC. And now at the time of recording, we have uh, we have incredibly impassioned battles over who is going to be exclusive to what free client launcher on PC. <laughs> so I think it's fair to say PC gaming ain't dead and it ain't dying anytime soon. I've looked on the wiki and it says there was going to be a sequel to this. There was going to be a sequel. It was planned. It was planned almost immediately that this was going to be a franchise. However, plans changed very quickly. The proposed sequel could have gone in a couple of directions, but the one that had the most traction was Sev, who you had left behind, who is the crazy hunter guy. He was going to become 
he's going to join the Rebel Alliance and become the first Rebel soldier and basically be the almost like the Master Chief of the Rebels, <laughs> but with a gruff voice. That doesn't really sound like what he was characterised in this game. But no. Okay. <laughs> but it, it got quite far into concepting, but this game, Republic Commander, did abysmally. But even though it did abysmally, LucasArts were still willing to... They were still willing to put time and effort behind a sequel but games rights changed the franchise moved on the direction of the franchise the ownership of the franchise moved on and it never it's never seen the light of day and despite seeing a few action figures based on delta squad we haven't really got anything else from them um there are a few novels based on the team they're, they are canon. They are still canon to this day. So Republic Commando is still a canon entity in the Star Wars universe for whatever that means nowadays. But yeah, it, it's a shame. Would you play a sequel? I'd probably give a sequel a go. And it's it's also worth noting that it is generally on message boards regarded reasonably fondly these days. So what kind of sausage is this game? Oh, man. I don't think you've ever asked me a more difficult question. (laughs) What kind of sausage is a Republic Commander? All right, so we've gone to see Carter. So we've gone to see William Carter of XCOM. XCOM the Butchers. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's given us the secret handshake and he's got the sausages ready. What if we asked for a Republic commander? What would he give us? So I reckon he has a sausage that is the Star Wars sausage, right? And that's like it's very inoffensive. It's a little bit spicy. It's got a few herbs in, but it's mainly quite inoffensive. Most people like it. And this is a sausage that's based on the Star Wars sausage, but it's got a bit of a kick to it. Do you think this is the Star Wars sausage that is made with some kind of ale? It will it'll have some kind of ale and he might have put some kind of chili oil in when he was like mashing it together into sausage shape. If you only wanted that Star Wars sausage, you're definitely gonna get on message board afterwards and be like, I didn't like the kit, I didn't like how it was different. It's not the Star Wars I remember. That was released before I was born. Also, all Star Wars fans are <laughs> Thank you for listening to Bangers. You can contact us at BangersPod on Twitter or bangerspodcast at gmail.com. Bye!